I think given the topic, which is uh, fitness bands. Yeah, so we can probably just talk activity from. trackers. Actually, yeah, this is something we already follow quite closely. And welcome to the forty seventh episode of the Overclocked podcast. That's O V R C L K D underscore Z A. If you haven't found us, which you probably have, that's mm. why you're listening. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, t- and tell your friends and great sub- subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joined as always by the editor of Tech Magazine, biggest consumer technology magazine in the country, Gavin Dudley. Gavin hello, Dudley, hello. Always good to be with y'all. So we are going to try and do it properly this time again, Gavin. Oh gosh, when was the last time we could do it? Okay. That's what she said. Sorry. Okay. Oh, jeez, dude, you're, you're throwing us under the bus, man. Jeez. Um, yes, so this week we are going to try and stick to seven minutes per segment. Mm. And we are going to do that, Gavin, starting now. News, big news, Woan is on the way. Woan, Woan, it's spelled like moan, M-O-A-N, except with a W in front. Yes, W-A-N. And it means and sometimes for wireless, but oh, yes, most yes, times yes. wholesale. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wholesale open access network. Some people have interpreted it as wireless open access network because most of its business is going to be wireless. I've, I've actually seen in the same article it oh, referenced as both. different ways. Yeah. Jeez, okay. <laughs> All right, understandably so, because most of its work will be wireless, but that, of course, depends on other kinds of non-wireless infrastructure. So what the WOAN is, in brief, as I understand it, is a government initiative to pool all the country's network resources, and specifically its wireless network resources, that's cellular, um, together into one big network, which it will run and control, and it will lease out pieces of the network to private companies like Vodacom and MTN and so on. The idea being that it will be able to reach more people in South Africa, a lot of people who are currently not being adequately serviced by the existing networks. So that's part of it. The other part of the underlying thinking there is that radio frequency spectrum is a hugely valuable commodity and is turning out to be as important in the internet age as coal and oil were in previous generations. And this is a national resource that we need to manage and control to the benefit of all South Africans. And that's kind of been taken away from us by a lot of private companies. So the WOAN is looking to get control of South Africa's radio frequency spectrum and use it in a more beneficial way, possibly raise more money off it and so on. But Lindsay's going to elaborate on why this matters for consumers, why you should care. He even thinks that data prices are going to come down. <laughs> so what So what WOAN does? Okay, so why WOAN is back in the news right now is because government has, or at least the Department of Communications and Digital Technologies, headed by Minister Stella and Benny Abrams, on Friday released their... So they've been working on the policy the... What's For a it, the, very, very long time. The integrated... ICT oh my goodness policy I'm missing a couple of words how the is going to work it's like a hugely complex document I mean you understand if you're trying to wrest money up wrest money wrest power away from the incumbents you know from the MTNs the Vodacoms of the world that's not easy to do without significant kind of uh, legwork and that's what they've been working on so so in the past it was thought of as like government trying to control the, the ICT or at least the telecoms market the wireless telecoms market but now there's been a lot of compromise so what happens is everybody gets pulled together so everybody gets compelled Vodacom, MTN, Celsi, uh, all the major players get compelled to invest in the WOAN network. WOAN gets a little bit of spectrum out of three bands so it's high high demand spectrum and then you can roam on that network 
because you are in the the what what we call it I, my vocabulary just escaped me the partnership okay so you're part of that partnership agreement and then to do that when you've invested in that you get preferential treatment when the rest of the spectrum gets auctioned off right so you get like reduced fees or like better licensing so, or so Vodacom MTN have got to invest in the WOAN possibly give up some infrastructure yes. in a shared way so that when the WOAN makes more radio frequency spectrum available which they're desperately trying to get they will get a preferential position in the auction yeah okay. yeah Something like that. Okay. Close over some page. So, so, so now what, what I foresee happening is you're going to get like much, like much like with the hospitals, you're going to get like this private tier and a public tier. So the public tier will be the most highly contested bandwidths. So when you're roaming in Pitsunavata, Bowen yeah. um, would have set up a tower there that roams on like the Vodacom tower that's nearby, mm -hmm. bounces off of that and you'll get signal but not like the greatest service because you're competing against okay. a lot of customers uh, but then in the cities where Vodacom now has the ability Don't to roll lose. out better 5G and like yep. future technologies you'll get like this premium so you'll get like LTE advanced in one area when you are if you he's are, talking a lot with his hands <laughs> at this point yes yes in that area yes <laughs> and then in other areas you'll just get like normal LTE or like 2G or something but at least you'll, you'll get something okay so I mean the reason Lindsay thinks prices might come down and I'm skeptical but I mean yeah. his argument is not a bad argument is that potentially through something like the WOAN which is a shared infrastructure Vodacom might be able to I'm just using Vodacom as the example yeah obviously not specifically Vodacom but any any provider could reach a lot more customers and that will generate them a lot more money the problem is that they will now have to share that infrastructure with others so it's potential they'll be fighting for the same companies between Vodacom MTN Celsius and other people because they can all use the WOAN infrastructure to reach these new customers so that's the one possibility. The other possibility is that a whole lot of new entrants, companies like Rain, who specialize in cheap mobile data, and maybe other uh, service providers will also spring up. And so the likes of Vodacom and MTN might be competing with a whole lot of people who are not in the market today. And I think Lindsay's thinking is that that competition will drive down data prices. Yeah, because then they have to compete on price because they're not competing on, yeah. on so infrastructure. My concern is that they're all fighting for the same new tier of customers, yes. all of whom might be quite low-paying customers in the first place, but there'll be a lot more competitors for them. That's got to be good for consumers, I hope. And then they don't have to spend that much money on getting the extra the, spectrum. Yes. A, getting the extra spectrum, and B, building infrastructure. I promise you, cellular masts, they just look like, like pipes sticking into the sky with stuff stuck on them they are outrageously expensive you will not believe i don't have figures for you but it costs them i think over a million bucks to send up every one of these masts yeah no so, it's, it's it's crazy crazy pricing yeah but that, that's enough about that right I, I believe it's going to bring competitiveness into the market i think government is playing ball well with the private guys right now and hopefully it turns out into cheaper data for everybody yes yeah, so, but it's going to be a very slow burning process just look out for news about the WoW and it'll be almost two years until you feel any benefits i suspect kevin you got a new device I this do? week oh, yes huawei sent out its new y9 phone i haven't even had a chance to unbox it yet unfortunately but what interests me is the price of around 5400 rand which means it's going to compete right in the mid-tier with Apple's, um, Apple's, uh, never competing with Apple, uh, competing with uh, Nokia's, 
um, three, uh, five, and seven, yeah. and uh, with uh, Samsung's A5, A50, and A70, yes. and so on, all of which are really strong offerings. And so this one has a pop-up selfie cam. That's right. I, I always makes me nervous when they introduce a whole new mechanical device into it. It's like surely that's got to be the first thing to break. But we'll see how that goes. As I say, I haven't even unboxed it. I'm looking forward to it. And in other Huawei news, it turns out that their big um, operating system play because they were shut out of Android, turns out was going to be built on Sailfish and they say it's not ready for market yet, which okay. does not surprise <laughs> me at all. A little history of Sailfish. When Nokia realized that touchscreen phones were the future and, and, and uh, visual operating systems and so on and not the press button system they Tell them about had. your N9. <laughs> <laughs> Ga Gavin owns an N9 that ran the, the I much... I do, which was, which was Nokia's first kind of Android-like operating system. Gesture called, controls. Yeah, it was called Mego, I think. Something yes. like that. I can't remember. So the Mego but, guys broke from Nokia. When, Noc when the Nokia writing was on the wall. Nokia started and tanking. They yeah. started doing mm -hmm. their own mm -hmm. stuff called Sailfish. So that was eventually bought over by a Russian company who then signed an agreement with China to create an operating system for Chinese phones in the market. So now you've got the Russians and the Chinese <laughs> in the act. Yes. <laughs> but Sailfish, Sailfish I've played with, I've played with the lot so of YOLO phones at, on like... Yeah, those. Sailfish is basically the operating system is what we're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got these interesting little swipe gesture interactions, which, which mm. is great. But yeah, the, the, that was never up for prime time. Yeah. Although YOLO did create a couple of devices that would run Android apps as well so like okay, through some side load or yeah, something yeah, okay. sort of thing uh, it, it's an interesting play but, but it's 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 a two horse race our right point now. is that there might be other operating systems out there that we don't even know about we happen to know about sailfish but there could be others out there and it's quite possible that while we will either just acquire one of these companies or pick up one of these ready-made operating yeah. systems and see if it can improve and roll it out in the way that Samsung has done with Android. Maybe Huawei could do the same with somebody else's operating yeah, system. Yeah, I mean, Tizen, Tizen is pretty much the, the operating system for everything else except the phones right yeah, now. Yeah, so Samsung already has a viable alternative, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and Huawei also do something... I see you have the, the Huawei Watch GT yes. on your arm right now, and that runs this like... Is a, this is a full Android, I think. No, it, no, it's not. It it's not, it's not Android. Android Wear. It's their oh. own little thing because they're using they're using a dual processor. Okay. So it's like they split the processor into two pieces and they're getting crazy battery life out of it. Yes. And they're running on their own little operating system. I think it okay. might be. All right. So when when we meet next week, listeners, <laughs> we'll tell you about the the uh, Huawei GT watch, which yeah. I've really enjoyed watch so far. GT, get watch the GT, get Sorry, right. sorry, damn, sorry. I mean, you yes. caught, caught me off balance. There. Other news, right. Springboks obviously drew against New Zealand. I watched the entire game. And why are, we talking, why are we talking about rugby? Because Showmax streamed it live. I yeah. didn't know this, so I actually had to bump one of my, I use my sister's DSTV now, uh -huh. but she uses my Netflix login, so it's kind of evens. <laughs> Go on and put that on air. Yes, that's right. He shares his accounts amongst his family. <laughs> it's a premium account. I can take a lot of people. It's like I use your Amazon account. <laughs> <laughs> don't freaking help me with the people. Okay, the, the oh. username is no. Don't worry. So, so I actually had to bump one of her devices off. Okay. The the permitted device list, so I could add my phone. So, I and then I watched it entirely through my phone on DSTV now. But I could have watched it on Showmax and not had to go through. All and of you those. say you say the the delivery was excellent. Uh, the delivery was amazing. Yes. Okay. So so here's how this plays out. Showmax is the division of DSTV which 
is the closest sort of Netflix equivalent where you can pick what you want to watch. So that's Showmax. I think it's about a hundred bucks a month. Yes. Then recently they started adding sport to that. Then most recently they started adding live sport to yes. that. Now, as we all know, live sport is the jewel in the crown yes. of the DSTV super sport kind of bouquet. Live rugby specifically. Yeah, I mean, and I think they started either with uh, some of the Women's World Cup games or I think it was the Netball World Cup. One of these things, they, they did a test on that. There was but, Cricket World Cup, yeah. Okay, it was Cricket World Cup, right, right. But the Springbok game was the first of its truly premium things that it made available through Showmax. And suddenly that 100 Rand is making a lot more sense to me because I don't have a whole lot of time to watch a whole lot of sport, but I never miss the Springbok rugby. So for 100 Rand... Uh, a month with a couple of Showmax things thrown in makes a lot of sense for me. Oh, at the yes. moment I have to drive off to friends and so on. So Showmax looking very attractive if they throw a few more live sports games in there. Cool. Awesome Gavin. That's the end of that segment. I think we should skip the Intel and Apple. Yes, no, that's the end of that segment. No, good. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh dear, I haven't fully prepared for the next segment. I'm, I'm quickly getting my story together. Hang so, on. While you're getting your story together, I'm just going to give a little bit of how-to advice. So while I was watching it on DSTV now, the crucial thing is to go into settings and to set your resolution. Because you're watching on a phone screen, you don't need like full resolution all the time. And like rug. So what happens is compressed video on the internet doesn't do well streaming packets of data that they have like a lot of things in the background. So if there's like confetti over your screen like there's a lot to unpack for your like to, to, to decode from that video stream so if you're setting down like lower standards you'll get best, better resolution actually when the action is happening so if you set it down to I think you can set the upper limit or the lowest limit is 480p on your through your DSTV now app and then that will also stream like at the lower rate and you'll save on your data that way you can do the same on Showmax and on Netflix you can set quality limits um, and especially if you're just watching it through your mobile and not on like a tablet or a bigger screen and you're just watching it through your, for yourself setting it to the lowest limits is great especially when you may be watching it in the car where you're just listening to it and not watching it like I was doing with the rugby. Okay, <laughs> he told me a rather touching story of how that uh, try, the final try happened while he was busy taking off from an intersection with his family and it was all he could do to not pull over and start cheering. Yeah. But okay. Um, so what we thought we'd do in how to tips this week is quickly discuss some of the security issues you might be facing in your small business. So uh, here's a true story. Um, one of the most virulent malwares to ever escape into the open was the Americans who created something called Stuxnet in order to bring down the Iranian nuclear program and the way they did that so the Iranian nuclear computers were completely isolated from the internet they were not connected to any network outside of their building in order to make sure that nobody could actually hack in so they had to find a way to infiltrate those computers inside the nuclear program which were not connected to anything on the outside and the way they did this is they took a few flash drives and dropped them all over the parking lot where people would park in order to go into the nuclear facility and people would pick up these flash drives and go oh look a free flash drive they would carry it into the building plug it into the pc and that's how stuxnet yeah. got released eventually that came back to america and took out half the eastern seaboard which was quite ironic but these are the kind of things you're up against. People are looking for ways to penetrate your small business. 
ransomware is a real thing, folks. Recently, yes. Joburg people will yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, the, what is it? The, not the power utility. Who got, who yeah, got but ransomware? City Power. power. Yeah, City Power recently became a victim of ransomware. The, the company that organizes their digital security claims that they just rolled back the machines. But the fact is, they were still down for like two or three days. Yeah, they had to completely rebuild their servers. Yeah. Okay, which is outrageous. So, you, so no one could buy electricity. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. no I one mean, could load electricity. That's hectic. That's hectic, man. We're talking millions of people, you know? All right, so if you read the current issue of Tech Magazine, you can actually uh, find five different scenarios of how your small business could be at risk. I'm going to quickly read through, unfortunately, I'm going to have to read through them because I haven't done any prep. Two of the scenarios that you could look out for in your small business. Someone receives a link to something on their favorite social network and they open it on their office PC. This could open an insecure site or a fake web page. Here's what you should do. Before opening the link, ask the following questions. Do you know the person who shared the link? In other words, do you know personally the person who sent you the link? Was the message sent to you personally or did it just have a generic you know, opening like hello? Um, were you expecting a link from someone or did it just come out of the blue? And is any of the wording suspicious or unusual? Is there bad language or, or unusual language that your friend wouldn't use? Is there anything about the message out of the ordinary? Don't open links to social media properties on office equipment. You need mm -hmm. to impress that upon your employees and hopefully adopt <laughs> that position yourself. Um, the same applies obviously if you receive email attachments that you're not expecting or that come from a random source. You want to be careful how you open those attachments. Most computers these days, even with very basic security, will pick up bad things happening. But the idea is to apply vigilance at all times. Um, and here's the last scenario I'm going to read to you. Someone takes important work documents or data home on a flash drive so they can work on it later at home. The flash drive could be lost or stolen or infected by your home PC. Sensitive business data could be copied onto the unsecured home PC. So that data might not disappear out of your business premises, it might disappear off someone's home computer instead. How to prevent it? Use Windows built-in tools to encrypt the data on portable storage devices, on flash drives in particular. It slows down the access a little bit, but it makes it impossible for anybody else to open. Make sure all company flash drives are password protected. It's very simple to do. Um, make sure all staff understand the risks of losing things like flash drives containing data. They can't be laissez-faire about carrying things in their pocket. They need to look after it as though it's company property. Because, of course, it contains your, your company's confidential information. Make sure all staff take their responsibility seriously for keeping the company's data safe. Um, these are just two of the scenarios that will affect your small business, but if you get Tech Magazine, you can read about all five. Other things you want to consider is create some rules within your organization for what can and can't be done on the office network. There's no point in being so uptight about it that no one has any fun at work, but maybe just implement two or three um, pieces of vigilance that will help mm -hmm. keep your business safe. That's my top tips for your small business security. Get the whole story in Tech Magazine. Awesome. That's 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 an epic story, Kevin. Now, you've been secretly take-a-lotting, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. Damn you. <laughs> Damn you. Okay. I'm, I'm going to catch you up. I, you... I, have, I have very little to, to contribute okay. um, to, to these things because no, I believe sure. I, when you're starting a business, you should be getting into bed with... Um, the companies who will provide you the best security options, which is probably where you got your hardware from anyway. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hear <laughs> um, what you say. Yeah, so like Dell, Lenovo, they all have these programs that can be tailor-made to any business size and can 
can scale with your business as well and can offer these things on demand as a service. So right. that's, that's my advice. Here's a horrible statistic that came out of a presentation I was at. Stick 6,000 Rand. 6,000 Rand is the cost per employee of phishing and social engineering attacks on small business per mm. year. Okay, it costs you 6,000 Rand for A, protecting your company and for the number of breaches that happen. So think about that. Yeah. Uh, cool. That concludes that segment. Uh, one of my favorite things, take a lot, take treasure. Um, Gavin fitness bands I've worn a ton of them tested a ton of them I have my favorites my favorites right now are not really serving up the good pricing oh okay well I mean pricing not everything it's, it's not the most outrageously expensive thing you could buy but it ain't cheap yeah. yeah so fitness bands I classify as something without an internal GPS antenna because it's tricky because yeah. the, the um, Garmin ones, several of them have that now. Eh? Yeah, not, mm. not that many actually. Mm. Okay. So okay. Act activity trackers are something you're going to wear all day. It must have at least a week's worth of battery right. life, at least five days right. of battery life. So you know what we're talking about, the little bands that go around your wrist. Yeah. It's, it's, it stops well short of an actual sports watch. Yes. Yeah. So Okay, you, you go ahead. Give us yeah, so they, they, don't, they don't need GPS. They mm. need at minimum heart rate monitoring and automatic exercise detection. Okay. So they must have good accelerometers, right. good... Um, Thumping the table. <laughs> Good, okay. good algorithms to work with those accelerometers. Right. And it's all this LG G8 hand gesture thingies oh, that I'm getting that used to that's <laughs> now got me more animated with my hand. Okay. Anyway, so, I mean, and, what are the and above, above all, mm. must be able to net you some discovery vitality points. Okay, now that's an interesting <laughs> point. That, that's a very interesting point. I mean, yeah, we speak as though everyone's in Blim and Discovery Health. But for those who are on Discovery Health, there are specific benefits that you get from linking up your tracker. Although... Yes. Although they really, they really want GPS, don't they? I mean, uh, not really. Um, so, well, look, it, it limits it limits you to the established players. So, Garmin, Samsung, Huawei, Polar. Okay, that's Let pretty me, much who they're taking. Okay, and that's where we should be shopping if that is a right. priority. Okay, so here's my perspective. Okay, sure, you you have to have heart rate monitoring. I really enjoy sleep monitoring myself. Yes. And uh, hang on, I have to have a big sneeze. <laughs> Sneeze monitoring as well, maybe, Clearly, maybe not so much. I should be. Um, automatic kind of sport detection or workout detection, not as big a deal for me because when I'm not going for very short runs, mostly what I'm doing is walking on the mountain and i found that many trackers are terrible at tracking walks. Yes. Um, mainly because it sees walking as simple office kind of activity. Yeah. It's like step count. Meanwhile, you're scaling mountains, scrambling through bushes, you know, climbing over mountains. It's kind of a lot more than just then, walking then you, around the office. You should have something with a barometer. Yes, yeah, so you can check your altitude yes. and things like this. I think you mean altimeter, no? A barometer. Barometer for pressure. Changing pressure as yeah. you go up and down. Okay, it's, to check yeah. a sense, yeah. Um, but here's, here's something you want to look out for in if you're buying an affordable tracker and it's not a full-on sports watch. Here's what you look out for. Something called connected GPS. So connected GPS is not great for runners because it requires you to take your phone with you. It then uses the phone's GPS. The watch collects 
um, data on where you're going, but it utilizes the phone's GPS to kind of sync those two things together. So you go for a run and it can show you the route you've run and so on, but it requires you to take your phone, which is not great. However, if you are hiking through the mountains, as I do with my wife and family and friends and so on, invariably you have got your phone with yeah. you, it's stuck in your backpack or whatever. You don't have to check the phone at all because the watch is keeping touch with the but phone. But you're taking pictures, so it's going to be an okay, extra go on your battery. Okay. <laughs> you are taking it, I take pictures of the phone boss. But uh, this way you don't have to have GPS built into your tracker because your tracker will sync itself with the GPS in the phone. So that's called connected GPS. There are quite a few mid-range devices that will do that, but you need to make sure the device you're buying can actually perform that function. Yes. And the product that I am putting forward does perform that function. Um, I'm putting forward the Fitbit Versa Lite. Okay. Um, this kind of got a lot of traction because uh, Fitbit brought out a very Apple Watch looking fitness band. It's kind of a hybrid sports watch and a band. It's sports watch light, really. And the light was an even lighter version yeah. of sports watch light. And it lost a couple of important functions, but it's fully waterproof for swimmers. Um, the screen is big enough and colorful enough so that it actually works well as an all day watch. But it's tracking is superb using um, Fitbit's uh, sensors and so on and we still like the Fitbit app although it's lost some ground I believe to the Garmin app which has certainly become much better over the years yeah. so Fitbit started off as having the best app to manage your stuff and Garmin is right up there now in some respects I still prefer the Garmin app but the Fitbit Versa Lite is available in a couple of colors for around 3,000 Rand or 3,189 on take lock. Wow. Fitbit Versa Lite looks like an Apple for watch. once I think I have you on value <laughs> okay so Samsung make Ooh. a bunch of decent activity trackers. Their app has also come a long way. I don't like the fact that they've completely shut off third-party interactions now. Mm. I used to be able to upload my Fitbit sleep mm. data to mm. my Samsung mm. Mm. Um, mm. app, mm. and that isn't mm. allowed anymore. Mm. But yes, Fitbit was the other one that also gets you vitality points. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Samsung Fit E activity tracker. So it's a little simple little band with like one of those vertical screens. Okay, okay, so it's very much a band as opposed to a watch. Yes, because yeah. these are activity trackers. Yes, absolutely. And that is for the princely sum of 689 Rand Ooh, that's on Take-A-Lot. It was Gosh, launched recently. It has up to seven days battery life, heart rate monitoring, um, activity tracking, notifications, and an accelerometer. So what happens is with your your issue where you said that automatic exercise detection is not that important not for me uh, no. it's 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 when the elevated heart rate data is also captured automatically so oh, that will yes. get you more points than just your steps yeah so what happens there is that the the heart rate monitor checks your heart rate periodically unless it sees you doing some kind yes. of specific activity then it starts keeping very careful close track of your heart rate yes. and you get more detailed data. so that's why you, that's why uh, but it uses up more battery that's why automatic activity recognition is quite important for me yes because then you then you're putting yourself like into 200 and 300 points per activity sort of range see, okay, instead of I, just a normal hundred for your I mean I would get the occasional free smoothie from the Vida <laughs> and stuff like that in Kauai which was all well and good occasional free coffees but I just kind of stopped counting but, up the but stuff but for, for me it's, it's important that people are, are not leaving those things on the table sure, I mean you're paying for those services and that's like leaving them and if, if you're not capitalizing on those things if you're just an ordinary person trying to up your 
activity levels uh, you maybe don't need to invest in tech to I, help I you think, do so because there's I mean, no incentive I think they, it's worth pointing out that Discovery is not the only insurance yeah. company that gives you rewards yeah, now there's the for momentum, submitting your data multiplier yeah. and yes there's a couple of Santum, in fact that's it's quite possible that all the big suppliers now give you some kind of benefits for sharing your yeah. data with them remember you are still sharing your data with them yes that means in some respects I know Discovery is quite bad at this if you miss your goals they kind of take punitive action against you and they just refuse to give you any rewards because you missed that one yoga session on Sunday morning at 6 a.m. you know that kind yes. of thing so let's be a little careful about how far we go set low goals that's what I recommend <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. My my second option is eight. That's seven hundred and ninety-nine. That would take a lot. That's the Huawei Colorband A2 Fitness Tracker. It's also one of those band jobs. Has up to nine days of battery life, continuous heart rate monitoring, multiple workout modes, uh, notifications, incoming calls, notifications. Uh, that's all the standards. Uh, yeah, and they raise to wake screen. That, and yeah, so as you go down the pricing tier, you're gonna lose some of those functions as it goes. But yeah, I think the, the Huawei Colorband A2 is a good mix of notification, smartwatch sort of functionality and fitness band tracking. Okay, I mean you've you've given some really good entry level options there. I have been I have been aiming a little high. I think it's Maybe. fine. It's I fine. Mean, That's usually me. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to haul out his privilege and make it show. Um, Garmin shouldn't be left out of the equation. Garmin is actually, I suspect, the market leader. No, 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 no. Um, Xiaomi is the market leader, actually. In well, international space. market yes, leader. In South Africa, Garmin is where yeah, it's at. Yeah, Garmin is where it's at. So Garmin obviously got popular with sports watches, and yes. they started making bands, and now they've got about five or six different bands, including some for kids and blah, blah, blah. But they've got one that is above the basic level and it's the Vivo Sport yes. which is got the GPS in it's also got a color display but it looks like a band and it's got good battery life it's fully waterproof all the stuff you expect from something called sport you know so the Garmin Vivo Sport is 1989 rand call it 2000 rand but it is much more advanced in its sports tracking than the entry-level Garmin offerings. The battery life on these things is fantastic. It's yeah. five, six, seven I days used, in I some cases. Swear by and my, it's got the GPS I used in. to swear by my Vivo Smart HR Plus. Okay. Which, which had, had that was one yeah, of the which, first which, with the heart rate in the band. Yeah. With, with, the, with the GPS in the band oh, well, that's as well. Right, that's right, that's uh, right. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah, that was I great. somehow tragically destroyed my connection between my Garmin app and my Vitality profile Ooh. and I could never I mean I had just Garmin I was working it. with Garmin yeah. South Africa and wow. we just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't it. get wow. it back okay just say the name of that product again because I really enjoyed that too. The Garmin Vivo Smart HR Plus Okay. I mean, you can still pick it up for like 800 bucks now. So Vivo Smart is their, air, not entry level. That's but their it's, fitness band. Yeah, it's the basic yeah. fitness band is Vivo Smart yeah. from Garmin. Okay, yeah, and this I think the they've, they've changed the number. And the plus sign meant GPS as well. Yes, yeah. so they, they've changed the nomenclature now to, yes, I think it's yes. Vivo Sport. Yes. And then there's like the Vivo Active Yes, as that's well. right. It's changed yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Vivo is like their band. Yeah. But then you get like the entry level watches, which are also Vivos. Yeah, <laughs> it's becoming very complicated over there, and then you don't want to get. Well, you could get a forerunner, but those really offer runners. Yes, yeah, yeah okay. forerunner. Four they're doing good business, like down at the bottom of that. End. Yes, absolutely. So forerunner two three five, which yes, is the entry really one. Great two four five. Yep. And they've added in Spotify now with the music ones, and yeah. that's, it's it's good, good, good. Okay, product. but otherwise with Garmin, you want to look at things with the word Vivo in their title as the. 
yeah. the good buys. And we, we acknowledge that Garmin is probably the market leading in South Africa and for good reason. Yeah, Garmin's still got the best, I, I feel, the best GPS tracking. Um, Polar are the leaders in heart rate monitoring, yeah, especially the no optical one, no jobs. No one sort of cares because they, they've aimed a bit too high, I think, and they haven't they haven't built kind of consumer po level. Polar's, Polar's for serious athletes. Yes, that's like, the problem. That's, that's they haven't the really, you know, with people who want to walk around the block and get points for yeah. it. Not really a Polar kind of market. So, one other thing you want to look out for, you'll find cheaper trackers from brands we haven't mentioned yet. We've mentioned Fitbit, we've mentioned Garmin, we've mentioned Samsung, we've mentioned Huawei, one or two others. Um, don't go and buy a tracker from some brand we haven't mentioned or you've never heard of before. The problem is the tracker might work sort of okay. The problem is with the software. So the app that ends up being developed to work with your band will be horrors. Okay, and you will end up disliking the experience just because the app itself can be that poor. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of what goes into these bands is not the thing on your arm, but also the app that you use to track your own progress. Cool. All right, yeah, that's it for me. We've gone way over. Yeah, thatopinionguy.co.za is my website. That Opinion Guy is where you'll find me on YouTube. Uh, Sharpshooters is where I'm at across social media. Um, yeah, that's me. I'm on actually talking about the LG G8S. Thank you on Afternoon Express Ooh, tomorrow. What's, what's Afternoon Express again? That's it's, a TV show. Yeah, it's, right? it's a lifestyle like right. magazine type show. Okay every day every weekday in South right. Africa on SODC3 oh, okay. I think I'm on from like 4.30 talking about the G8 yes, yes talking about the LG G8 yes, which I'm loving actually okay. one or two like minor little detractions but yeah overall it's my new default video review is also up uh-huh um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Anything happening with you, Gav? I'm also using the G8. I'm going to switch over to using the Huawei uh, Y9 shortly. But I'm also using the G8 at the moment. Loving that. I've just come off... What was I using before this for a really long time? Oh, the Q Stylus. No, no. I was using the Hisense H30, which yes. we loved as well. There are so many great mid-range phones. Though I suppose the G8 is technically not a mid-range phone. But the G8 does absolutely everything. Although, I must confess, I've probably become more of a V user. Yeah. So, the, so LG's V range. We'll see when the V50 comes out and whether I can afford that or whether I'm even interested <laughs> in paying for a phone at all. Yeah, okay. but Note 10 arrives next week. We'll probably dedicate yeah. a lot of the show. Oh, we'll probably have to talk yeah, about to, that. To yeah, what's yeah, what's yeah. going on there. And yeah, that's it from me. Okay, and I'm Gavin Dudley. Do visit Tech Magazine's Facebook page and let us know if you enjoyed the podcast. Let us know what you'd like to discuss in the podcast. And you can send us mail to overclocked. That's the whole word with all the vowels in it. O-V-E-R-C-L-O-C-K-E-D. Exactly like it sounds. Overclocked. Zar. That's Z-A on the end. Overclocked. Zar at gmail.com. Cool. Bye. Bye.